Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to the most recent edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt podcast. Uh, I am this week's host, Brian Stone, the Georgia Southern writer uh, for Underdog Dynasty, joined this week by Joe Londrigan. Joe, introduce yourself to the people. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself coming in. <laughs> sure thing. Uh, yeah, if you're listening, if you only listen to the Sunbelt pods on Underdog Dynasty and you're like, who's this clown? <laughs> Uh, Eric and Eric Henry and myself are the clowns that run Underdog Dynasty at the moment. So, uh, yeah, happy to be here. Uh, expand my wings outside of uh, just Conference USA stuff right now because uh, you know the Sun Belt's arguably the better league right now. But you know, excited to talk about it, Brian. All right, perfect. Well, let's let's go ahead and, and just get right to it. Uh, just recap, starting to recap last Saturday's games. Uh, just starting off. Uh, Coastal Carolina uh, just hosted UL Monroe and just absolutely smashed the Warhawks 59-6. to uh, Believe it or not, when Matt and I were previewing this game last week, Matt actually took ULM and the points, and I told him there was no way in hell that was going to happen. And uh, Coastal covered with absolute ease. Uh, Grayson McCall, uh, perfect passing, 13-13, of 2-12, and two touchdowns. Um, I, I don't have a lot to add to this game. It, it went exactly how I thought it would. Uh, and UL Monroe, um, you know, coming off of that, uh, that upset win of Troy two weeks ago, uh, kind of a reality check for the Warhawks. Yeah. You know, I think when a game is 59 to six, there's only so much you really can say, but you know, coastal Carolina, they're, they're moving through the top 25 for a reason. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Grayson McCall, like from what I've seen out of him so far this year, he's living up to the hype. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we'll see if, you know, Coastal's got um, uh, some tougher games later in the year, um, but we'll see how he's able to, you know, handle himself in those kind of situations. But um, I don't necessarily blame Matt too much for having some confidence in UL Monroe. I think they're starting to kind of, you know, figure out how to not be terrible. But um, yeah, a little overly optimistic to think that they could, <laughs> you know, hang in there with with this Coastal Carolina team the way they're playing, particularly on offense right now. I think Matt was the the prisoner of the moment a little bit last week uh, after they had beaten Troy, but the spread I think was 38 when it closed, and I said there was no way that Coastal wasn't going to cover the 38, and they did it for the second week in a row. Crazy spread, Coastal covers, no problem there. Uh, Getting into the next game on Saturday, App State traveled to Atlanta to take on Georgia State. This was another one. App State was only a 10-point favorite coming into this one, and they just wallop uh, the Panthers 45-16. to 16. Uh, Chase Bryce had another pretty sharp game. Corey Sutton, good uh, in the receiving game. Uh, another complete game performance out of the, the Mountaineers. Uh, it feels like we're pretty much on a collision course 
uh, for this this app coastal game that's going to happen and decide the east. Yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. If uh, going back to like the beginning of the season, for me personally, I think my expectations for these two teams, App State and Georgia State, were really flipped. Like I expected App State to be solid, but I don't necessarily think I expected them to like make a run at the league title the way that they are. And I expected Georgia State to be a lot better, but like uh, Quad Brown has just not been living up to the expectations so far. And you got to wonder if Sean Elliott's seat is starting to warm up if he doesn't start turning in some better results. Yeah, so so coming in uh, when when uh, we were working on the previews uh, podcasts for all these teams coming into the season, I honestly couldn't believe how many returning starters that App had coming back. Like their entire re- receiving core from last year and all of their main contributors all came back. So when I saw that, I started going, "Oh." Here, here we go. It's going to be another. It's it's app versus coastal for the east, and it, everybody else kind of down down in the standings. But I do agree with what you said about Quad Brown. It's been kind of weird because when we were doing the previews for Georgia State, we took a hard look at their schedule and saw that it was brutal. I mean, to open the season, I mean they probably had the toughest what first five games slate out of any Sun Belt team. Period. Um, and, and they had to play a couple of good power five teams. Like, I mean, Army's technically independent, so they had to play them. They played Auburn, which happened two weeks ago. They came close to upsetting Auburn but couldn't make it happen. But it's just been a rough start for the Panthers. They don't seem like they know what they want to do at the quarterback position. Uh, they, they really keep waffling between Quad Brown and Darren Granger. But, uh, I mean, this is this is just one of those quintessential mashup, matchups that kind of just shows the difference in tiers uh, in the Sun Belt, um, Georgia State has never really ever been on apps level in their history of being in the Sun Belt, and it it doesn't seem like anything's going to change, you know, beginning this year. So, uh, getting into the next game, Troy traveled to South Carolina to face the Gamecocks, came up short by a nine point margin when it was all said and done. Uh, you know. We had me and Matt had talked about this over the last couple weeks, especially when Troy got upset by UL Monroe. Uh, I think Chip Lindsay's seat is starting to get real, real hot. And I think if they don't defeat Georgia Southern this Saturday, I would not be surprised to see him out of a job the next day. Yeah, Brian, let me ask you this as someone who watches a lot of Georgia Southern football, obviously, like um, you, you said that's who they play next week, right? G- Troy and Georgia Southern. Yeah, Troy and Georgia okay. Southern this Saturday. Yeah, with those two, uh, I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but that's going to be an interesting like uh, conflict of philosophies with how much Troy likes to uh, throw the football historically. But I guess mm-hmm. real quick on this game, uh, you know, South Carolina, not going to do anything amazing this year, but they uh, definitely controlled the ball long enough uh, to get the win here. So um, you have to commend Shane Bieber's team for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Bieber, I don't know if it sounded like I said Bieber. Long, <laughs> long lost relative of, uh, of Justin Bieber. Uh, but no, I mean, you know, with Troy, they're two and three. Um, you know, I, I think we didn't necessarily expect them to make any kind of huge splashes, but um, I think I expected them to be a little better than what we've seen so far this year. 
Yeah, I, I said it last week when we were previewing this game. It's funny because Troy is what they are in the Sun Belt, and uh, South Carolina's the Troy of the SEC. So I thought it was a fun, funny matchup uh, because these teams are very similar to one another, and uh, both of them struggle to move the football. So it, it, it was an interesting matchup. But South Carolina just kind of you know flexed their muscles as a as a Power Five SEC team, and were able to come away with the win in this one. Uh, getting into the game that. I personally obviously paid the most attention to last Saturday. Georgia Southern uh, comes up with their first conference win of the season, beating Arkansas State by a margin of 59 to 33. Uh, in this one, the, the big key for Southern was uh, as a team, they rushed for over 500 yards. Um, Arkansas State, literally, not, not a joke, I'm not exaggerating, has by statistics the worst defense in the FBS. They are... 130 out of 130 in total yardage uh and it showed in this one because georgia southern couldn't get out of their way the first couple weeks and they look like world beaters uh against arkansas state so good win for southern uh coming off of you know just firing chad lunsford the week prior um but yeah i mean logan wright ran for over 200 yards i think he had he had 208 yards on 10 carries, so he averaged 20.8 yards per carry in this one. As a big Western Kentucky fan, I can very much relate to the pain I imagine Arkansas State fans are feeling right now. Very productive offense, scoring a lot of points with the exception of that that blowout loss to Washington, UW. Uh, that defense is just really not doing them any sort of favors. What is it like 260 points they've given up so far this year? Something insane like that. They they are atrocious in every sense of the word. Um, it, it's, it's not even really something that seems like I had, I had a, a back and forth on a message board with a Arkansas state fan. And he basically said the only way that they're going to improve on defense heading into next year is if they hit the trans for portal hard and replace all 11 starters on defense so that should kind of tell you where they're at defensively yeah you know that's that's tough especially when like on the offensive side of the ball i thought lane hatcher was coming along really well and now they're kind of in the the hole that they're in in terms of their record and that's got to be frustrating and you mentioned hitting the transfer portal you know it's it's always one thing when you have to kind of convince that convince some of these players that your program is a great fit for their skill set. Uh, it's another to convince them that you know Jonesboro, Arkansas is is a great fit for them as a person. Like you know to compare this yeah. to CUSA, like FAU has no problem getting transfers because it's in Boca Raton. Uh, Absolutely. I, so, I, yeah. so I can imagine like it's a little bit tougher of a situation for uh, for the Red Wolves to you know bring in high quality transfers and get that program to where they want it to be well the thing you mentioned uh you mentioned lane hatcher the funny thing is butch jones has actually opted to go with uh blackman moving forward that's what makes it yeah that's what makes it even weirder to me i'm like watching this game i'm like why i don't know i guess in the grand scheme of things it's not the weirdest decision butch jones has made in his coaching career but it's it's a head scratcher for me i have i have a personal theory uh that when Butch Jones came in, he recruited Blackman uh, out of the transfer portal and promised him the starting job. And he's just kind of going to roll with that come hell or high water, I think, is is kind of what where we're at with that. Um, personally, I don't think he should be the quarterback. I think Hatcher should. Um, but 
Uh, again, I, I talked to an Arkansas State fan on on a message board uh, last week leading up to this game, and they pretty much said that last year Blake Anderson splitting reps between Hatcher and another quarterback split the entire team in half. And and Butch Jones is currently trying to avoid that happening again. So it seems like he's just kind of went with one guy and, you know, record be damned from here on out. So, uh, but yeah, so Georgia Southern comes away with their first Sunbelt win of the year. Uh, the over-under this one was 66. Uh, I took the over and there was 50 combined points at halftime. So that should let you know how easy that was. Um, final game of the night last Saturday, uh, the Raging Cajuns, uh, traveled uh, to Mobile to take on South Alabama and narrowly escaped with a two-point win uh, over South Alabama. Um, Levi Lewis in this one, weirdly uh, not sharp at all. Uh, nine of 20 for just 49 yards throwing the ball. Uh, but Louisiana was able to run for 225 yards and three scores, and that pretty much is what uh, kept this team alive. South Alabama still a little bit struggling as far as offense goes. Yeah, you know, far be it for me to knock a four and one team, but I have to imagine Matt and the rest of the uh, Raging Cajun faithful have some blood pressure issues from the last few weeks. Uh, you know, I both this game against South Alabama and that win against Georgia Southern uh, on the twenty fifth, and even the win against Nichols State were were all one score games. Uh, obviously, they you know uh, took Ohio to the woodshed and then they had the loss to Texas, but like. Yeah, this this Louisiana team is not short on excitement. Um, I thought they'd be executing a little better than they are, but I mean, with you know pretty much all of conference play ahead of them, you have to be uh, happy with the record, regardless. Every week, I have this talk with Matt, and I try to I try to get an answer out of him as far as what the issue with this team is. And my personal theory is the fact that their best running back last year is now starting for the San Francisco 49ers. And he he is adamant that that's not the reason. So I, I I'm not really sure what what he cl- he claims that it's because they lost their offensive coordinator, but their he- their head coach is an offensive mind. So I'm not really sure why that would be the case. Uh, you would you would think um you know Napier would would design an offense that would work for this team because he did it last year, but they're just they just seem to be missing something uh on the offensive side of the ball. I don't really understand what's what's up uh in lafayette but i think i think almost by default they're gonna win the the west so i i don't really see any issue there um so getting into this week's games uh just for everyone recording uh or everyone listening we are recording this on thursday night so coastal has kicked off and is facing arkansas state right now uh but i anticipate uh, Coastal to just absolutely roll Arkansas State. I, I don't think Arkansas State has anything that they can do offensively or defensively to Coastal to throw them off their game. Uh, according to ESPN, Grayson McCall threw a 99-yard touchdown pass to open the game. So that should kind of let you know where Arkansas State's at mentally right now. Can I tell you what's frustrating about that? I'm sitting in my office and I have ESPNU on my monitor, which is the channel this game is on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Iowa State and Texas Tech volleyball are in a tiebreaker, so nobody saw it. <laughs> that, you gotta love ESPNU and and how they're like so rigid with the scheduling. They're like, we can't break from this. We can't like we can't cut to this this football game that everybody's tuned in for. 
Yeah, they, okay, they just showed a uh, thing on the banner that said they rolled that over to ESPN News. So, I don't know. Hopefully, people got that message in time to see that play. That's that's crazy. <laughs> Grayson McCall's a monster. But, yeah, Coastal yeah. will have no issue winning this. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, but getting into the Saturday slate, we got a short, uh, short card on Saturday. Uh, to start off here, uh, we don't have any early games, but uh, first game of the night, 7 o'clock, Georgia Southern uh is heading to alabama to take on troy uh from a betting perspective troy is a five and a half point favorite in this one over under is 50 um i just wrote my preview uh for everybody listening to this it will drop on friday morning um i picked georgia southern to win in a close low scoring game on this one uh both of these teams outside of georgia southern last week have struggled to move the football uh, I think they win like 21-17, somewhere around there. Uh, but Troy has done this weird thing. I, I dove into them today where they have completely flipped from what they were last year. Um, last year, they were an offensive throw the ball around juggernaut who couldn't stop who couldn't stop anyone. And now this year, they are a defensive minded team that struggles to get on the scoreboard. So it's a weird, interesting philosophy shift from one year to the other with Troy and uh, Georgia Southern. It, this is their second game without uh, after firing Chad Lunsford. So I don't really know what to expect from them either. But I, co- I couldn't in good conscience pick a Troy team that just lost to UL Monroe two weeks ago. Yeah, I think for me, I think anytime you have this kind of, you know, these kind of conflicting offensive philosophies, it's going to come down to Georgia Southern just keeping Troy's offense off the field. Not to say that like I have that much faith in Troy's offense being able to execute, but Mm -hmm. because Georgia Southern runs so much, ordinarily you would just want to see that offense, like basically leave Troy with no time to really do anything of value. So Mm -hmm. Georgia Southern is going to have to execute and not turn the ball over, but I, I think they'll get it done here. Yeah, I I think the the key here is kind of what you said, but also, you know, Georgia Southern secondary has not been good by any stretch of the imagination this year. Um, That's they're true. Curr- they're currently allowing 350 passing yards per game. Um, but the only potential saving grace here is Troy is so one dimensional uh, that they can't run the ball even if they wanted to. So I'm anticipating them just airing it out every play. And just hoping Taylor Powell's able to just draw pass interference calls, throw a ball deep here and there that lands, things like that. But they, their offense has kind of honestly been a mess this year, and I, I couldn't believe it when I when I kind of dug into their uh, stats and like previous games and such. But I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. You know, Logan Wright, like I said, for Georgia Southern was the big uh, big back last week, uh, running for over two hundred yards. So it, it's going to be an interesting contrast of styles, kind of like what you said. Yeah. Again, as a Western Kentucky fan, I can relate to having no run game. That's why Bailey Zappi threw the ball 65 times last week. But anyway, (laughs) yeah. Uh, so, so getting, uh, past this game, uh, South Alabama also at seven o'clock Eastern South Alabama travels to San Marcos, um, to take on the Bobcats of Texas state. So, this line honestly doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I'm looking at it now. South Alabama uh, is a three and a half point favorite on the road over unders 52 and a half. 
is there any good reason why a team that's three and one and has their only loss to the reigning West champion is only a three and a half point favorite against a Texas state team that's won one game this year? It, it doesn't seem to make much sense. It doesn't make really any sense to me either. Um, I guess they're just giving Texas state a lot of credit for being at home, which is odd because like their only win this year was at FIU, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on in San Marcos. They, they've had so much time and so many opportunities to try to get it together, and they just can't. <laughs> um, so that's that's my synopsis of Texas State football. But, um, yeah, South Alabama, I think they've been one of my bigger surprises in the G5 so far. They, they really had a good shot to beat a, a Louisiana team that's had extremely lofty expectations uh, last week. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I think they have no problem here. And um, I would obviously bet the I don't know, Brian, I don't know how betting works, but they're they're gonna they're they're gonna they're gonna beat Texas State by more than four points here for sure. Yeah. Uh I, I agree with that. Um I the weirdest part of this is I went back and looked at Texas State's resume thus far. Like you said, they beat FIU for their only win of the season. Uh they lost to FCS Incarnate Word two weeks ago. Um at home by eight points and allowed 42 uh, to incarnate word. So I think uh, South Alabama is not going to have any trouble scoring points in this game. Uh, I think their receiving core for South Alabama is very impressive. Jalen Tolbert, uh, Jake Bentley, the quarterback transfer from Utah. Uh, I, I, I don't think they're going to really have any issues. So this line is kind of weird to me and I don't really understand it, but, uh, and I don't anticipate Texas state having that much of a home field advantage anyway. Um, and I think also Spavadol should probably be on the hot seat by this point. I think he's had more than enough time to turn it around, and I, I just don't think it, I don't think it's working. I think they need to go try something different. Um, and then the final game of the night, uh, two teams that are in weird places right now. It, I think is the easiest way for me to put this. Georgia State travels to Monroe, Louisiana, to take on the Warhawks. Georgia State is 16-point favorite, over-unders 51. They can't decide on a quarterback. Uh, The one win that they've had all season, Darren Granger played, but it seemed like uh, last week they wanted to give Quad Brown the ball. He didn't play very well, but neither did Darren Granger, so I don't really know what the thought process is on the offensive side of the ball overall. Um, But yeah, I mean... Georgia State's had such a rough opening to the season. They played Army, North Carolina, Charlotte, Auburn, and App in their first five games. So um, this is the part of the, the part of the schedule gets a little easier here around the middle. Um, but then they're going to close the season with Louisiana, Coastal, Arkansas State, and Troy. So I don't know that. I think if they don't win this game, they're going to have a really really tough season and maybe win three games. Yeah, I think for both teams, this is going to be an interesting new lens to like see what they're actually made of in that regard uh if if ul monroe can squeak out a win then you know maybe you can look back at their season and be like oh well they didn't just beat troy and jackson state they (laughs) actually beat a a team that's you know pretty level with them in terms of the the talent and then on uh on georgia state side like I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Like their opening to the season has been so tough. Uh, I think this is really kind of the first game outside of that that home win against Charlotte, where they're playing a team that's like 
more or less on equal footing with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they if they can't figure something out here, then that's that's a tough spot to be in for Sean Elliott. Yeah, I I think I think uh, we overall, as just people who write about the Sun Belt, had not super high expectations for Georgia State, but we kind of thought that they'd be able to build off of what they did last year. But then once we started doing the previews and we looked at their opening slate, we were like, they're probably going to be 0-5, 1-4, depending on how good Charlotte is. Like, there was no way that they were going to beat some of those teams that were in front of them. And uh, the weird thing is, I don't really know what to make of UL Monroe at this point in the season because, like I said, they beat Troy two weeks ago at home. uh, But they, like, weirdly, and it was by double digits, but they weirdly didn't look impressive doing it by a stats perspective. It just seemed like Troy couldn't get out of their own way, and, and they can't score. So... And, and honestly, it could have been uglier. I mean, Troy threw a touchdown pass with 30 seconds left in the game. That The final score should have been 29-10. to 10. So it should have been even worse than it actually was. But Troy scored a little bit late to make it look respectable. But I, I didn't really know what to what to expect out of UL Monroe. I think I got to take UL Monroe plus 16 just because I have no idea what to make of either of these teams. I, I think this game could be close because... Both of them have just looked like they don't really have an offensive mindset or identity through the first five games of the season. So I don't I don't know that UL Monroe wins it outright, but I think that they keep it close uh, or closer, at least than the betting line says. So give me the Warhawks plus 16 um, at home. Um, so that will pretty much wrap up our, our uh, recap of last week uh, and then the preview of week six. Joe, is there a game on this slate? And like I said, it is a short card. It's only three Saturday games. Is Georgia Southern Troy the game you're looking forward to most on this on this slate? Uh, you know, I can't really decide between... Actually, yeah, it, it definitely is Georgia Southern and Troy. I think, like you mentioned with Georgia State, UO and Monroe, that's like two teams who really don't know who they are from mm-hmm. like an offensive or defensive philosophy standpoint, which doesn't make for particularly compelling uh, primetime TV, in my right. opinion. Um, so I think with Georgia Southern and Troy, like you at least like know what you're getting to some degree. It's like, you know, when you like watch the same Netflix show over and over, there's a, there's a comforting mm-hmm. level to that in terms of knowing more or less what you're going to get. So yeah, from this slate, I'm definitely going to make an effort to watch the Georgia Southern Troy game if not live after the fact. Um, yeah. These other ones, like South Alabama, is going to beat Texas State pretty handily. And as we're seeing right now already, Coastal Carolina is going to just make mincemeat out of Arkansas State. So, Yeah, Coastal Carolina already back at the Arkansas State 7. Uh, as of this recording, I think they're, they're just going to roll through the Red Wolves. That's not going to be anything. But uh, I'm interested to see uh, Georgia Southern and Troy, not just because not because I'm a homer, but just because I want to see, A, how Georgia Southern plays against a team that literally doesn't have the worst defense in the country, uh, statistically. Uh, But B, I mean, I want to see, has Troy given up on their head coach at this point? Like, do they still believe that Chip Lindsey's the guy? Or is the locker room kind of just whatever at this point? Like, let's just get through the rest of the season and go home. And not try to get injured. Um, so so we'll kind of see how that all plays out. Um, but 
as always, you know, I, I've been Brian Stone uh, on the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt podcast. Joe, tell the folks at home where they can find you on social media. Yeah, uh, at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore are my handles on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter, it's pretty boring. Every once in a while, I try to make a joke about football. And then my Instagram is right now just pictures of my puppy who's chewing on my laptop cord as we speak. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, and then if you want to, I don't know, hear more of me talking, uh, Eric and Henry, Eric, Henry and I are on the conference USA podcast that underdog dynasty also does every week. So, uh, come check that out. And, uh, now I'm going to get back to watching this team of mullets and camo hats, uh, demolish Butch Jones's team. So. Awesome. Well, as always that you can find me on Twitter at watch the stone, uh, we will be back next week for another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Mm-hmm.